0: Hey, you see on the screen where it says Matthew 7? Guess where we're going to be? Deuteronomy 4. No, I'm just kidding. Matthew chapter 7, the one way to heaven. Earlier this week, Benjamin and I were talking, and you know that Benjamin and Kathy and Megan, they like me to plan my messages out a little more in advance for them to be able to do all the other stuff they do to put it all together. And so early in the week, Benjamin asked me if I knew exactly what the message would be this Sunday, and I said, "Well, my original plan is I had two more messages in the Sermon on the Mount, and so it's not going to be two. It's either going to be one or three. So it ended up three. So you're not going to be here till two o'clock this afternoon. Uh, it won't be all one. But but listen, there's some big, huge truths in these closing verses." of Christ's sermon. It's not the end of chapter 7, but close to it. And, and what Jesus says is hugely significant for life on earth today. It's not like, oh, this is a message that a great teacher taught 2,000 years ago, and maybe if you put this into your life, it could help you a little bit. No, this is big huge. This is bigger than life and death. This is eternal destiny and and as we look at these verses we're going to just primarily focus on two this morning although we are going to have a lot of other verses shared and the people who got a card with a verse on it you need to look that up and be ready to read that when we get to that list we'll go through all of them fairly quickly and you got to read it, read it loud enough for the microphones to pick you up so that those who listen online will be able to actually hear the word of god as you're sharing it. so, um, But as we look at this passage, I, I want you to see not just what's written, but the heart of God. Jesus came to show us the heart of God. Four o'clock this morning, I got a devotional uh, on my email that I get every day. And in that devotional, the, the writer was talking about the only description... Jesus gives of himself in scripture. I am meek and lowly in heart. That's his description of himself. And so Jesus was... He humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He, he brought himself down as a servant and as a minister to give his life for people. So when we read this part, there are people who say, Well, that's not a loving God. If he refuses anybody, he's not loving. Jesus gives everybody the opportunity. How many ever played a trick, I mean, not a trick, but with a kid? You played that little game, how much do I love you? I love you this much. And they'll say, no, I love you this much. And they'll say, no, and then finally when you get to, I love you this much. They'll say, yes, and then they'll hug you. Anybody ever do that, or is that just our family? Good. I saw Jim Ricosi raised his hand, so other people have done that. Uh, I love you this much. And every now and then, when I think of Jesus on the cross, I think, I love you this much. So we don't want to question God's love, even though today Jesus is talking about some people whose lives end in destruction. Father, as we look in your word today, we pray that we would truly see the heart that you have, the love that you have, and that we would understand the rules that you have. We don't make the rules. You do. You're in charge. In fact, this is your church. We don't make the rules for your church. You do. You define what's the highest priorities for us. You're the one who told us missions was important. You're the one who taught us that we should give offerings and give generously toward your work. And so today, I pray that we would understand your heart, that we would feel drawn closer to you and that we would also feel conviction for those times in our life when we have not made good choices. I pray that we would see the difference between the path of destruction and the path of life and that we would be encouraged in our walk with Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying to pay the penalty for our sins. May we respond to your love And may we trust and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 7, look with me please in verse 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. The first thing that we're thinking about this morning is the gate. Have you ever thought about the concept that heaven is a gated community? There are people who live in gated communities and they want to separate themselves from other people. And the idea of a gated community is you separate yourself from the undesirables. And heaven actually is a gated community. And those who have not received Jesus Christ as their Savior, they will not be let in. Those who are content to live in their sin will be shut out. They will not be allowed in. And so we enter by invitation only in John 6, It says, the Father has to draw you. Uh, the Father has to bring you into salvation. And so if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can look back at times in your life especially those of you who got saved a little older in life, you can look back and you can sense the father drawing you. My, When I was a kid, most of the time, we moved a lot. Dad was in the Air Force, but whenever he got a chance, we moved back to Tucson. And so in the, the pastor there in Tucson, I consider my pastor because for most different parts of my life, he was. And I surrendered. I got saved under his ministry and surrendered to to be a pastor and and so I preached one of my first sermons in, in, uh, in his church there. And Pastor used to uh, talk about life and, and death. And I, I got a little distracted thinking about him. But uh, we can only get into heaven by invitation. And, and the thing that Pastor Johnson would say, when he was a young man, he felt drawn by the Holy Spirit of God to be saved, the the Father drawing, the Spirit drawing him. And he rejected it. And he said for 10 years, he never felt drawn to believe and trust in Christ. And then when he was 28 years old, he responded and he got saved. And then a few years later, he surrendered to, to the ministry and then he went to Bible college and then he started a church and pastored for 50 years. But he, he went 10 years without that. And I remember the day I got saved. I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, it's now or never. I felt convicted of my sin. I felt like God wanted me to respond. And I felt like if I didn't say yes now, I might never get another chance. Because it's by invitation only. God wants everybody to be saved. He gives everybody an opportunity to be saved. But you've got to respond to what God is doing in order to receive Christ as your Savior. So to enter this gate and be allowed in this community that God has set up, you must trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, I've given some three-by-five cards with a verse written on, not the whole verse, just the reference. And so if you have that, when I say The verse that you have the card for, please read that loudly enough for all of us to hear. Okay? Peter, when he was preaching in Jerusalem, and he's preaching and sharing the truth of God's Word, Peter said in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Who has Acts 4.12? Okay. And then Peter later was preaching to Cornelius's family and group. Acts 10:43. 43. To him all the that his name, in him will of sin. And later Paul and Silas in Philippi were sharing with the jailer how to be saved. Acts 16:31. And Paul wrote to the Roman believers and we have a couple of references. Uh, the first one is Romans 5:8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that we in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. And Romans 10:9 and 10. Now there are other teachers who teach other ways to be saved, and Paul even wrote about that. He wrote to the church in Galatia Galatians chapter one, verses eight and nine. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let it be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again: If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Accursed. <laughs> Not let them be marginalized. I mean, this is serious business. The gospel, trusting Christ as Savior. Paul later wrote to the believers in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 and 10. He wants us to be part of his family. He planned for that. Peter would later write that God's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. But there's only one way. On the front of your bulletin, there's a verse. I'd like us all to read that together. On the front of the bulletin, it's John chapter 14, verse number 6. Let's read it together. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. No other way. There's a gate. It's a narrow gate. One of my favorite uh, columnists years ago uh, was writing about, he was a believer and he was writing about uh, spiritual things and in the newspaper. He was published all the time and, and uh, people told him he was narrow minded. He said, you think I'm narrow-minded? Wait till you meet God. You're going to want me back. (laughs) God is very narrow-minded. The world says, any old faith will do. And Jesus said, one way. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, or you will not be saved the only way of salvation, the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, Jesus the Christ. So the gate says you must believe and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the gate, and it's narrow. And the other gate, it's wide. Which is easier to go through, a narrow gate or a wide gate? Unless you're really skinny. Uh, near, a wide gate's a lot easier. Um, my dad. <laughs> sorry. I, a wide gate is a lot easier to go through. It's so much if you're driving a car and your car's eight foot wide and you drive through a gate, you want that gate to be at least 10 foot, you wouldn't mind if it was 20 foot. But if it's only eight and a half, you're not going to like driving through that gate. And so the, the easier gate is the wide one. But the wide gate doesn't just imply this is easier to get through. It implies more people are headed that direction. And God wants all to be saved. But he made one path for salvation. Only by faith in Jesus Christ. No other way. We have people sitting in this room who trusted Christ at age 3. And people who trusted Christ in their 70s. And we all come to faith exactly the same way. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and then you can be saved. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. We read this from the very word of God this morning. The gate. Jesus said in John 10, 9, I am the door. He was the door to the sheepfold. There was a wall they would build up and then the shepherd would lay in the gate and no one could get into the sheep because he was protecting them. And Jesus isn't just the door to the sheepfold. He's the gate to the path of life. The second thing is the path. In Matthew seven thirteen, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Verse 14, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way. So we have two gates, two ways. We have the broad gate and the, or the broad gate and the narrow gate. We have the uh, path that leads to destruction, the path that leads to life. So the second thing is. The path. What do we know about the path? It's straight. The path is straight. And this picture, if you stray off that path, it's a long way down. The path is straight, and it's also difficult. Jesus describes it that way. Narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. There's this narrow gate and this difficult path. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. If, if you get saved and God makes you part of his family, he adopts you into his family, that's the terminology the scripture uses, and you become a child of inheritance before God, then shouldn't he make your life easier? There are people who say, "Well, I trusted Christ and, and he made my life my life so much worse it's, it's so hard and they act surprised. Hey, the easy path is easier. The path of following the Lord is more difficult and so here's what some false teachers teach they teach that to Get saved is so much more work. You've got to earn it. You've got to work hard. You've got to do all this stuff to earn salvation. No, Jesus said, the gate is narrow. The path is difficult. He didn't say the gate is difficult. The path is. There are two paths. The wide gate leads to what? Destruction. What does destruction look like? It doesn't look like anything good, does it? Have you been watching the news? Seen what happened when that storm came in in Florida? Destruction. A little town, what was it, Mexico City? It's almost gone. There, there's more ruins than in good stuff left. In some places, they can't even find the roads because they're buried by so much silt. Uh, the way of destruction. But there's a second path. It's a, it's a difficult path. And so the way of destruction, the imagery that I use in my head, it's this wide path. It's a nice, easy path. It's a little bit downhill. So it's easy walking. You're not working. And, but what you don't know is down the way, the path disappears, and you drop off into destruction. But the difficult path, it's always more difficult in the short run to obey the Lord. Always. In the short run. You might have to give sacrificially, financially, and have it do away with or not do other things you would like to do because you want to give to the work of the Lord. It requires intense self-examination. If you're going the easy way, you don't have to look at yourself. You just kind of go with the flow, right? I mean, guys, when they get up in the morning and fix their hair, for most guys, it's not a big deal. I mean, Tim Martinez takes a while to get the shine just right, but... (laughs) But usually, there's—it's no big deal to fix your hair. I, I comb my hair once and I comb it again. When Kathy said, "There's something weird going on with your hair," I, I don't look at. But sometimes women spend a little more time, and usually, there's a good result. They look a little better than guys. There's a difficult path following the Lord. We have to examine our own hearts. Go in the easy path, you just go through life. It requires intentional self-denial to follow the path of Christ as a believer, to obey Him, to serve Him, up that difficult path. There has to be self-denial. You have to be willing to do this. (laughs) Yesterday, um, Megan had been sick this week. She was feeling a little bit better Thursday afternoon, but not well enough to be around kids and come and help in uh, our, our Trek club. Uh, and then uh, she's still not up to speed, but yesterday she wasn't feeling well, uh, not, not energetic yet. But what did you do at 1 o'clock yesterday? What did you do? She helped with the Trek review. Why? Because it's such a joy to hang out with those cool kids, right? I mean, it's the Qualls boys and some other kids. It doesn't get better than that, right, Lucas? I mean, (laughs) she did it because it was the right thing. If she was on the easy path that leads to destruction, she wouldn't have bothered. There's a lot of Thursday nights I see our workers pull in in their cars. And I've told them before, before you come into wanna sit in your car and pray and then get out of there. I've seen some sit in their car for a while. And then they get out of the car and head in. Every now and then you see one, they pull up, they jump out of their car and they're like, yay! Most of the time, the workers have already put in a long, busy day. But they come and serve. Because God has called us to minister and to serve. It would be easier for our Sunday school teachers to not work hard on their lesson. But, but they've been called to teach and minister and care. And so what are our Sunday school teachers doing on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday? Hopefully preparing for Sunday. Planning it out, looking through ahead of time. Knowing a couple weeks this is going to come up and so I'm preparing and anticipating that and looking in advance for, oh, I'm not sure how I could teach that and figuring it out. And do it. It'd be a lot easier to just come and sit and listen. Serving God takes more work. It involves spiritual warfare. Satan does not want you to do the right thing. And so he's going to continuously tempt you To do wrong things. There will be joys and delights. Make no mistake. Following the Lord is a blessing. But it's also a difficult path. To succeed in anything in life takes endurance. And it always goes through difficulties. If you want to become a great photographer... Before you become a great photographer, you've messed up some pictures. Back in the old days, when you had to actually pay to see what your pictures looked like, you could spend a lot of money before you got some good pictures going. I remember as a business manager, we had a photo shoot, and we took more than 1,000 pictures, print, film, and we got two pictures we liked. And it was worth it for those two. But to become a great photographer, you're going to mess up a lot of pictures. To become a great artist or musician or athlete is going to require dedication and discipline and overcoming obstacles. To become a great follower of Jesus Christ also requires commitment and perseverance. Now make no mistake, God loves you even if you fail, right? God loves us. God loves the people who right now are on the path to destruction, He doesn't want them to go to destruction. He invites them into the narrow gate and the difficult path. But if they reject, but God loves. And if you fall down, you sin, you fail, you ask God to forgive, what does God do? He forgives. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what he does that's who he is so he's willing to forgive if you genuinely repent but your jeep your deepest joy your deepest joy occasionally i get tongue tied so your deepest joy i got it right that time your deepest joy occurs when you trust and follow jesus christ so uh, you're, we're striving not for a mere gold medal, not for a mere million bucks or whatever. We strive for the greatest award imaginable. That someday our Savior might say, Well done. It's a difficult path. Third thing this morning is the journey the journey. This is a life of significance. You know, this wide path, this easy path, there's a lot of people going through the motions. And when I was a business manager, the, the people that I worked with, a lot of them, they just, they just endure the week to get to Friday. And, and they have that saying, right? Blank, blank, it's Friday. What are those first two words? Thank God. Even atheists sometimes say, thank God it's Friday. Uh, it, and, and they just, you know, they live for Friday. And I, hey, listen, if you work hard all week, when the week's done and you get a day off, you should rejoice in that. But you should also rejoice in Monday morning because God gives you the opportunity to work. And there should be a little excitement to serve God there. And the, the easy path, you just go through the mo, you don't examine yourself, you don't think it through uh, this, this journey. we're just, we're just kind of going with the flow. But the path that we're called, that narrow gate, that difficult path, is a life of significance. So that if you died tomorrow, there would be a void on planet Earth. There would be people whose lives you have touched and influenced. And they would feel both a depth of sorrow that you were gone and a joy that they know they'd be able to see you again in glory with the Lord. Arthur, I'm sorry, author, author Shalene Brian, sorry, said, I used to think that I had to feel great about what God wanted me to do. I have learned, though, that you don't always feel immediately good about obeying God. I was feeling out of my comfort zone just to be involved in a neighborhood that looked vastly different than mine. How many times have I let my feelings get in the way of an incredible journey that God wanted to take me on? The fact is, our feelings are extremely deceptive and do not necessarily have a relationship to truth. Often when we act in obedience to God, the positive feelings will come later. Let me end with, close, repeat that last statement she said. Often when we act in obedience to God, the positive feelings will come later. There's a, a deep connection to the heart of God when you're on this journey. When you've gone through that narrow gate and received Christ as your Savior, when you're on that difficult path of trusting and following and serving Him, there's a deep connection to the heart of God. Our good news club, we have some Folks who serve in Good News Club, and uh, it's always difficult. The first day, the school had messed up, and kids didn't show up. They didn't know the school had not done it well. They, what they said they would do, and so the next week when they got there, and then they were put in a gym that's loud and echoing, and right in the middle of the lesson, or they're sharing the word of God, mm-hmm. announcements come over the speaker. And just drown out everything. So they got to reschedule and restructure and, and change the flow. But guess what? Kids have been saved. The labor is worth the effort. The journey is you're doing something that's significant. Hey, they could do other things on Monday afternoon. All of them have other things they could do but they're serving God in a way that's impacting hearts and lives. Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend write have written a bunch of books together. And one, of, one note I got from one of the books says, None of us will finish our spiritual journey in this life. None of us finish our spiritual journey in this life. But the process of getting there is joy too. How many of you have ever taken a road trip? I love road trips. I'd rather spend two days driving than two hours flying. I, I really enjoy road trips, and even though getting out of a car is a little harder than it used to be. But uh, Kathy and I have done a lot of different road trips, and I've gone back and forth across the country a couple of times, and, and uh, Megan and I made a couple of road trips together and, and really enjoyed that. And, and in, in the road trip, you always have a destination or at least we do maybe there's some people they just get in their car well we're gonna see how far we go and they come up to an intersection flip a coin if it's heads it's we turn left if it's tails we turn right if it lands on its edge we go straight ahead uh i don't i don't know but we always have a destination in mind. So one of our road trips, we were going from here to Indiana to see my brother, and some of you remember Fred St. John, and then we were going to go on over to uh, Washington D.C. and spend a few days there. We we had a plan, a, a destination in mind, and so as believers, we have a destination. What what's your destination? Heaven, heaven. not just heaven, heaven. All right, let's try this again. What's your destination? Hey! All right, that's better. At least Joel's going there. I mean, I could hear his voice. Heaven as I like to say to my wife and kids. Heaven, baby, you know, uh, you're just you're there. But see, part of a road trip is the journey. And and on our journey one time, coming back across the country, coming back from the East Coast, we were driving through Tennessee. Strange place. Right, Ben? No. Uh, We were driving through Tennessee, and Megan's on her phone, and she found this church, and it was a Wednesday night. We went in, and we visited this church on a Wednesday night, and we met brothers and sisters in Christ, and we enjoyed being with them, and we left. We've never seen them again, but we will. But there's there's the destination and there's the journey. And the end result is heaven. And there's a lot of believers who think, oh, man, this life's terrible. But someday, heaven. <sighs> no, we're we're on a journey with God. We walk a path with the Holy Spirit of God. And He's not just beside us, He's inside us. We are on this journey. And the joy is not merely the destination, it's also the journey. What we see, what we experience in the process of getting to the destination. And yes, we will be in heaven someday, but hopefully we're walking with the Lord this day. And if this day ends up being the someday, then great! We'll rejoice to be with the Lord. If the someday is still down the road, we'll enjoy the journey with God. We are moving, hopefully moving, into an increasingly closer connection and relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the journey. But... Every journey has a destination. What's the destination for those who take the wide gate, and the easy path? In this verse, destruction, which is hell. The wide gate and the broad way lead to destruction. In the Bible, it's called hell and then the lake of fire. It's called The second death. Jesus described it as a place of destruction. Of outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Where there's weeping and wailing. Where the worm does not die. And the fire is not quenched. And Jesus used descriptions like that eight times. Oh, but it's easy. It's a wide gate. It's an easy path. And destruction. So maybe you're going through a hard time right now. You think, I've trusted Christ. Why is my life so difficult? Jesus said it's a narrow gate and a difficult path. But it's worth it. It's worth it. The end result. Is glory with the Lord forevermore. The narrow gate and the more difficult way leads to life. You're already in the process of life eternal. So the narrow gate, I mean the wide gate, the easy path, leads to destruction, the second death, hell the lake of fire. So in Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 and 20, uh, God speaking through man said, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him. For He is your life and the length of your day. Choose life. He is your life. We have life in Him. And apart from Him, there is no spiritual life. Life. Choose life. Don't just get in that narrow gate and accept Jesus as your Savior and you're going to hell someday and then you just sit and wait. Get on the journey. Do some difficult work for the Lord. Challenge yourself. Push yourself. Step up outside your comfort zone. (laughs) I remember a while back, uh, I called Gene and Shirley and I asked them to make a visit with me. There was an older lady living here in town whose husband had just died, and, and we went to make that visit, and I wanted them to go with me and minister to this lady, and, and they, they kind of wanted me along too just to make it an easier transition. And when we were done, we were talking about it, and Jean said, I'd never done anything like that. That was way outside her comfort zone. But it was a blessing because they were able to minister to a lady in a way I could not because they've been where she was. They've sat in that chair and they could minister to her heart. She ended up moving away but she was touched by God through Jean and Shirley on the journey doing the difficult thing. We're on a path. We're on a journey. We're inside that narrow gate. We're in the difficult time of life. But we can walk with the Lord in the land of the living and live in a way that will bring honor and glory to our God. Just a moment. Jim's going to come and lead us in a song and Somebody will play the piano. Right now, I want you to just look in your own heart. That intensive introspection we were talking about, maybe there's something you need to change. Maybe there's something you need to do. Are you just going through life? Or are you on purpose walking with the Lord? Father, I thank you for the call to salvation and the call to service that you give all of us. I thank you for these who have responded to your call for salvation and for these many who serve faithfully. Help us to be strong in the power of your might, to not quit just because it's difficult, but to realize you went through far more difficulty for us And eternally, these are little things we do for you. They feel big because we're stuck here in the middle of the journey. But they're little things. And yet they make a big difference. May we be faithful. Thank you that you were faithful on our behalf. May we be faithful on your behalf and minister for Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen.